Good evening. Welcome to Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Eric Sauber. I'm an employment law and business law attorney here in New York, and I host this live weekly talk radio show and this live weekly video broadcast every Tuesday night from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on Talk Radio NYC, where I have guests who discuss some of the most novel and interesting challenges and issues that employers and business owners are facing these days in light of these trying times. And in that regard, I'm very excited tonight to have on the show uh, a fellow comrade, fellow employment law attorney uh, from Ohio, uh, attorney John Hyman. John, welcome to the show. Oh, sorry, I think you might be muted. Um, You know, you would think, Mm -hmm. you would think after 30 months of doing everything through Zoom that you would know to check (laughs) if your microphone is muted before you go live on the radio. Um, I did not do that, but I'm here now. So let's try that again. Eric, man, thanks for having me. It's really good to be here. Sure. Great to have you too, John. You know, I think with so much Zoom, that was such a thing you're conscious of in the beginning, but then it's just uh, one of those minor things that, you know, no sweat. I've done it too. So um happy to and have we you. Should yeah. all have, we, we should all have advanced degrees in um, virtual <laughs> meetings at this point. Absolutely. That's right. Well, that's the worst glitch, um, you know, of the show. And I think we're in great shape. So, but it's great to have you on, John. And I want to, you know, just, I'll tell our guests a little bit something about, about you and what you do and, um, you know, your, your background. Then we can, I'll get into our topic tonight. Um, so as I mentioned, folks, our guest tonight is, uh, attorney John Hyman. John is a shareholder and director at Wiccans Herzer Panza, the law firm out in Ohio, where he is the chairperson of the firm's Employment and Labor Practice Group. He's also co-chairperson of its Craft Beer Practice Group and a member of its litigation department. But John focuses his practice on management side labor and employment law, as, as do I in New York, uh, providing business pra- proactive solutions to solve their workforce problems and reactive solutions when they find themselves litigating against an employee or a group of employees. John also serves a niche in the craft beer industry, assisting brewers, brew pubs, and restaurants, and businesses that serve that industry to navigate their specialized business, legal, and regulatory issues. John is the author of the renowned and award-winning Ohio Employer Law blog, an American Bar Association blog hall of fame inductee, uh, which he updates daily to provide businesses and human resource professionals breaking news and other updates on the ever-changing landscape of labor and employment law. And finally, an interesting fact about John, he was a November 1999 contestant on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, but sadly lacked the fastest fingers. So I'm sure it must have been an interesting show, John. And uh, yeah, here you are, you know, 23 years later on a different broadcast, no million dollar prize, but I bet a million-dollar conversation, interesting uh, points to make and such. We will be rewarded in different ways. Yes, very much. And our audience as well, our listeners tonight out there, listening on talk radio, listening on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, um, Google Podcasts, what have you. So our topic tonight, and any of you um, maybe perhaps same age as John and myself might remember the song. Well, back, I always feel like somebody's watching me. Uh, monitoring employees' social media and internet usage. And for those younger folks out there listening, it's just a song from the early 80s. Um, but uh, what we're talking about really is this topic of employers monitoring their employees' internet and computer usage. And the issue really here is that many states and municipalities <clears throat> are passing laws about an employer's right to monitor their employees' social media posts, internet searches, 
and computer use while on the job. And with the increase in a remote workforce and many employees logging into work from the privacy of their own homes, these rules around notifying employees of their electronic monitoring can get quite complicated. And additionally, with other employees using social media for post, uh, posts about their working conditions, which may include insults to the employer and, call, and calls to unionize, maybe all one post, employers need to be very cautious about their response to these, quote, offensive social media posts by their employees. So the question becomes, how can employers monitor what their employees are doing without, without breaching state laws or violating their privacy? And in this episode, um, John and I will discuss which labor and employment laws come into play when it comes to monitoring an employee. And we'll talk about what the law says in terms of an employer responding to employers' social media usage outside of working hours. And lastly, we'll address any protections of employee speech that may come into play under the NLRA, the National Labor Relations Act, and other laws. So once again, you know, with that, John, um, I think it'll be an interesting discussion for audience tonight. Looking forward to it. Yeah, same here. Well, you know, my first question, John, I always ask my guests is tell us a bit more about yourself. Like mainly, how did your career initially start out? And then what prompted you to become an employment law attorney, particularly focused on this niche of the craft beer and beverage industry? Yeah, I I guess I'd always like to say that I kind of fell into employment law, but Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of half true. I mean, it was the courses I, I took, I guess, an employment law, heavy course load in law school and, and knew I wanted to be an employment lawyer. I started at an employment law boutique right out of law school um, and have done employment law for the past 25 years representing employers. I think the workplace to me is a fascinating area of the law to practice in because I think the workplace, aside from um, – I think we spend more time at work than anywhere else. Our our relationship we have with our employer is aside from the relationship with like our spouses and our children is probably the most impactful and important relationship in our lives. And so to me, um, the law that kind of regulates that relationship is incredibly fascinating because it's incredibly personal to employees and on the employer side when, you know, an employee you know, sues for discrimination, for example, mm-hmm. employers take that very personally as well because it's they, they, and oftentimes they often view that as the employee saying, you know, you're a bigot, you're a racist, you're a sexist, whatever, you know, whatever the claim in the litigation may be. So both, both sides take it extremely personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've always found that to be fascinating. You know, on the craft beer thing, it's a, that's a relatively new initiative of mm-hmm. mine. And so I'll give, I'll give two answers. Number one, you got to do what you love. And on, for fear of um, coming off like a booze hound, which I'm not, <laughs> I do. I do really enjoy craft beer, and I've and I've represented a number of craft breweries here in Northeast Ohio over the years. Um, but separately from that, I think like most employment lawyers, back in you know the early part of 2020, we all shifted in, into pandemic mode, and I think we all very quickly became. Um, pandemic lawyers or COVID lawyers advising our clients on, you know, the ins and outs of the pandemic, um, stay at home orders, uh, you know, reopenings, masks, vaccines, um, isolation, quarantine, you know, all the stuff that went with the pandemic. And that kept me very, very busy for, uh, you know, the better part of, of COVID. And then as the world started to reopen, as we all got vaccinated, 
mm-hmm. uh, or most of us got vaccinated, um, yes. and the COVID work started to dry up. I um, started thinking to myself, you know, where am I going to put my efforts next from a kind of marketing standpoint and business mm-hmm. growth standpoint and having represented breweries and um, enjoying that space in that world. Um, I decided that I was going to put that behind um, starting a, a craft beer practice, which is, you know, relatively new. It's only, it's, mm-hmm. we started it about nine months ago, um, you know, representing breweries in and around Northeast Ohio and elsewhere. Uh, mm-hmm. My internet platform gives me a lot of reach, so I'm able to kind of connect with breweries, not just kind of in within driving distance, but kind of all over the country. So, it's yeah. been a a nice little it's been a nice little uh, nice little side project. Yeah, you know, wow, John, everything you were saying, I identified with related to uh, in terms of why you became an employment lawyer, starting there um, with you know like law school classes being very fascinating to me about employment law, and I agree with you. You know, it's a very personalized area of the law, there's a lot of psychology involved, a lot of human dynamics of uh, human relations and emotions. And to me, it's like a mix of like psychology in some ways and sort of micro level sociology and just, um, and then of course the law, analyzing situations, what the law says, you know, what the what the practices, you know, the gray areas, how to interpret that. So I hear you about this, you know, the idea that and the impact of becoming an employment law attorney. And I agree with you that, you know, having represented the employee side exclusively for the first, I think, 14, 15 years of my career before pivoting nine years ago to the um, to the employer side, um, you're right. Both sides take it very personally when they're being sued or the threat of a, of a lawsuit. So I think it's really something that we can step into this, this area that needs help and, you know, guide our, our clients, advocate in a compassionate way, um, so that's interesting. And of course, you know, the, the craft beer, do what you love. Um, I thought you were going to tell me they give you discounts on the beer, but if they, if they do great, if not, you know, great to have some area that's, um, the, really, the, you know, the problem is that works both ways, right? So if I walk in to a right. client and I get a discount on beer, they're going to discount on their invoice. And so, sure. yeah, <laughs> right. And something tells me that, you know, the, uh, the money you save on the beer, a couple of beers would not match what they would save, you know, I have to talk probably, to I mean, no comment, but probably not. <laughs> probably not. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Be another conversation on the type of show, you know, um, <laughs> But that's, you know, that's really, that's great, you know, and yeah, I mean, certainly the pandemic and all its impact, you know, um, good to hear that, you know, good to hear, you know, you and I, I think, spoke and we both went to um, the same undergrad, went to Binghamton University, uh, Binghamton, soon to Binghamton back in their in their early, early to mid-90s, so. Go Bearcats, although they were the colonials when you and I were both there, so. That's right, yeah, yeah, so, you know, not, not to age us, but, you know, it's not a mystery, I'm sure, we talk about how long we're practicing for it, and, um, but, but, you know, great, great stuff here, really, it's a good way to start out, you know, there are guests get a sense of like who you are, what what motivates you and stuff. So I appreciate that, you know. Um, you know, I think what's interesting too is like just um when you have a niche area like that also, you kind of get a sense of what issues they have. And sometimes their issues are very common to other fields, right? You've got, you know, like wage and hour overtime issues and minimum wage. Sometimes you have uh allegations of discrimination, but then there are like liquor licensing and regulations around uh, the industry that I'm sure that you probably deal with as well? Yeah. So the employment law issues, I mean, employment law issues are employment law issues by and large, but I think the two that you mentioned are the two that we see a lot of in the industry. It's a lot of wage and hour issues, um, particularly um, surrounding tip employees in the um, in the hospitality space and then just general kind of overtime issues. Um, and then um, on top of that, um, uh, harassment, um, 
kind of the Me Too movement, and there's a huge DEI push right now in the beer world, and so that is also a tremendously hot issue. Um, and then there are also, I mean, alcohol being highly regulated within the states, um, there are um, uh, myriad regulatory issues that have to be addressed as well, kind of outside the employment law world. So it's 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 really it's a fascinating space to play in. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I can imagine. I mean, I think all this is fascinating, including our topic for tonight regarding employers' rights to monitor employees. Now, we're actually about a minute away from our first commercial break. I think it might make sense to take it a little early now so that when we come back, I can ask you the next question we can talk about um, just the legal, legal rights employers have to monitor their employees and what to look out for. So we'll be back. Folks, take a short break a minute early. Um, I'll just say that you're listening to Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Eric Sauver, Employment Law Attorney. My guest tonight, fellow Employment Law Attorney, John Hyman. And when we come back, we're going to talk about this issue of, I always feel like somebody's watching me, you know, of, of what employers can monitor, um, what kind of notice they're required to give to their employees, and what do some of the laws say about this? So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories of perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back to Employment Law Today. Once again, I'm your host, Eric Sauver, and here tonight with our guest, Employment Law Attorney John Hyman um, from the uh, established esteemed law firm of Wickens Herzer Panza. And our topic again tonight, uh, about basically about employers' rights to monitor their employees' social media and internet usage, what the law requires, notice, and the scope of such monitoring, and what laws come into play. 
So I guess my first question in that regard, John, is um, let's talk about this um, elaborate, you know, illuminate for, I guess, for our audience tonight, rather. What legal right, if any, does an employer have to monitor their employees' computer and internet activity at work? And are there conditions that the employer must meet or limitations on the scope of surveillance? It's a pretty broad-based right that employers have. Um, it's their network. It's their equipment. If I'm sitting at my desk in my office or I'm um, on a mobile device on my employer's network or even a mobile device owned by my employer, even if I'm off their network, I mean, it's their, it's their facilities. It's their property. So their right to monitor the traffic that goes through those, you know, through the internet onto those devices um, or otherwise uh, is is pretty broad. Um, mm-hmm. Some states have kind of stepped in to regulate, um, have required at least notice um, by the employer, California, and which is its whole own kind of world of employment law. It's mm-hmm. almost sure. barely, <laughs> it almost barely, I mean, it's, it's the left coast for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, so there are some states uh, that are in the minority that require kind of notice by the employer. And if I'm drafting a handbook or a policy for an employer, I mean, I'm going to put notice in there anyway, because I think it just makes sense for employers and employees to be on the same page in terms of kind of what's, what's being monitored and what's not. But by and large, that notice isn't required and the employer can kind of do what it wants with its own, with its own equipment. Mm. Yeah, you know, you're right. I mean, and there are federal laws, like I know that, you know, talking about, I think it's ECPA, the acronym about electronic you know, uh, monitoring surveillance that goes back to the 90s, talking about if an employer has legitimate reason to monitor their employees' computer usage, they can do so. But to your point, you're right, it's a broad, just ownership, act, right? It's the aspect that the employer owns the equipment, owns the computers or the phones, um, you know, the server, and so they have a right to see what's being trafficked, what's going on. You know, I agree with you about that 100%, John. It's definitely that. And I also noticed that a lot of the laws coming out in different states, like in New York and Vermont, and I believe it's Connecticut as well, um, different states are passing laws wherein you have to give notice to the employees, you know, acknowledging, hey, we're going to be monitoring you. You do employees, you have to give them that. And that's why I think it's smart like you do. I do the same as well. When we draft employee handbooks for our um our you know clients to make sure that it has some kind of notification and um and for the existing employees make sure that the notice is conspicuously posted you know in a place in the workplace and if it's a remote workforce then they have to put up somewhere else that's conspicuous whether it's an email blast etc but but you're right that the, a lot of and I, I mentioned this question because i asked this question because a lot of employees i think um are under the impression that that the employers monitoring to them somehow violates some kind of a privacy right and the thing is it's if the government, or rather, if the employers are private entity, not a government actor, you know, they can monitor and survey um, what you do, and it's not like they need some kind of a search warrant, you know, to even if you're doing it from a computer in your home. That no, I I know I know of a business uh, was not a client of mine because I would have never counseled that they do this, but the um, president of the company sat in his office all day long and he had a banks of monitors and he would watch um, server logs to see who was on what website during the workday. And he would watch video cameras to see kind of who was going to the bathroom when and how long employees were taking breaks. And it was a really bizarre, um, awful 
I, I can imagine an awful place to work when you're under that heavy when you're under that heavy surveillance, but mm. also perfectly legal, right? There's nothing wrong with that mm. on the employer standpoint. I, I wouldn't recommend it as an HR practice, right? Uh, but but there's nothing there's nothing illegal about the practice. But I do think you're right. I think that there is a tremendous misconception around privacy rights that employees have or more accurately don't have in the workplace because they just don't have a lot of them. When you're working for an employer, you're on their time, you're using their equipment. Um, Your time as an employee belongs to the employer and the employer has a a legitimate, reasonable uh, uh, business reason to make sure that when they're paying you, they're getting the benefit of what they're paying you for, and that means you're that means you're working, and so that means then the, so that could often mean uh, uh, the the monitoring and the lack of privacy that goes along with that. Right. No, I think that's very true, John. Yes, and I think that one thing you mentioned uh, that struck me in that story that you gave about the company you heard of and how it's what the person did that the employer did there, monitoring everyone, you know, twenty four seven or rather all day at work. Um, to the extreme, it's legal, but not necessarily advisable. And that's something I think we, maybe perhaps you and I see in employment law that maybe something might be um, legally permissible that an employer won't get in trouble for doing, but does not make it a best practice. And it might not be necessarily recommended because of how it affects employee morale, because of um, even the paranoia it can foster and fester into the, for the owner themselves, you know. It's interesting. Yeah, legal. Yeah, legal is one thing, and you might yeah. not get sued for it. But if you're constantly have a constant revolving door of employees because right. they get fed up with your lousy HR practices and how you're treating them, doesn't do your business very good. So, right, and some of those that might be you know revolving that door might become disgruntled and believe that they have another reason why they were maybe fired or maybe not given a promotion. They might assign it to some protected class trait, which may or may not be true. It may be partially true in terms of implicit bias, but you know, it's something you don't want to deal with as an employer. And I, I think it's just the same thing when I have uh, clients, you know, John, or business owners, and some of them will ask me, what is the minimum amount of time off, the very least, I have to give my employees in, under state law? And I ask them, well, Okay, look at New York City, you know, you have the, the five days paid sick leave and how that is calculated, um, you know, certain time off for, you know, for maternity and stuff. But, but they say, what's the minimum? And I'll explain to them and say, look, you can do this, this, and this. And so you won't get into trouble. You won't get fined or have a problem with, you know, Department of Labor, um, or New York City, but it might not be advisable because if your employees are getting the bare minimum, feeling burnt out and not getting enough time off to care for themselves, It'll show in the work. So I think it's just interesting to note that just because an employer, you know, can monitor everything, um, they might want to pick and choose, right, when and how they apply monitoring to their employees. Yeah, I mean, I think, especially mm-hmm. now when I mean, the, I think the the forty hour work week is is dead. I think it's been dead for a while. I think we expect a lot of our employees day in and day out. We work employees work. Certainly, I mean, uh, not nine to five, they might, you know, who they're working, you know, in the morning, in the evening, on the couch, at home, whatever. Um, If an employee wants to spend five minutes during the workday to go buy something on Amazon or wants to go check the box score from the game last night or go see what's going on on CNN or Facebook or whatever, Mm -hmm. I don't, as as an employer, like, Mm -hmm. I don't care. To me, that's not an issue if they're otherwise performing and getting the job done. And so 
it, it only becomes an issue when it becomes an issue when someone is habitually not doing their work because they're because they're always not doing their work, they're doing something else, personal, uh, non-work related on work time. That's a performance issue when you treat it like you would any other performance issue. Right. And I think employers get hung up on, well, this is, you know, this is my, you know, my office, my computer, my whatever, and nothing personal will pass through this internet pipe. And I don't think it recognizes, appropriately recognizes the reality of the workplace today. And I don't think mm-hmm. it, it gives appropriate credit to employees for just how much of their time they give to employers. Right. You know, and that's an interesting point too, because you and I are, although we represent employers, we're not um, the enemy of the employee. And I, I often try to kind of convey that point to m- many of my clients. A lot of my clients recognize that, that, you know, the employee is not the competition, the enemy, they're not one to be mistrusted unless they happen to prove that they are not trustworthy based on their performance or misconduct or what have you. But um, I think you're right that, you know, employees give a lot to their companies very often. And if they're not abusing that time, so be it. I think also what's challenging is that now with the work from home, uh, you know, the, the work from home sort of revolution, if you will, or change, like a lot of employees might still be using an employer issued laptop, maybe logging to an employer's system, but from their bedroom, you know, the couch. And so they might mistakenly believe that they have an extra level of privacy from being monitored. And the truth is they can be monitored in terms of their email usage still, right? Their social media, you know, what websites they visit, um, how long they log off. Now, of course, uh, an employer might be able to monitor one's workplace with, with cameras. I think it might be maybe a bridge too far to monitor somebody in their actual home. Employers are doing that. Don't, don't, don't mm-hmm. sell employer creativity short. Employers right. are actually doing that. So I've heard this too. And I, I kind of wonder what's going to happen with that in terms of litigation, because, you know, if let's say they're monitoring the home and people in their break are doing something like exercising, you know, with their shirt off, you know, maybe having someone come through that like their, their spouse, you know, um, is there like an arguable privacy issue around monitoring their actual like a video of the person in their home. Um, I wonder if I wonder how that might play out. You know, there, there, are, there are some privacy concerns in the employee's home. I mean, the other issue that I could see coming up is in the way that some companies are, are, are doing this is not having a live camera on all the time, but they have, they're activating the camera on the computer to take a snapshot every five minutes or 10 minutes to confirm right. that the employee is like actually at their computer working. Um, and, and I've heard of companies that are, for example, you know, if they have it set to take a picture every six minutes, um, mm-hmm. if they take the picture and the employee's not at the computer, they're not paying the employee for that six-minute block of time, which mm-hmm. raises, to me, serious wage and hour concerns because yeah. the employee could be um, up getting a document from the printer mm-hmm. in their home office. They could be sitting on the couch reading something they printed. They could be going to the bathroom, which we all do during the workday and sure. don't get do- and don't get docked for it. But right. now you're docking an employee because the camera says, "Oh, you're not working," uh, which is a a massive wage an hour red flag. And, and I think if we're going to see litigation around the use of um, webcams and other surveillance, kind of live surveillance technology um, to monitor what employees are doing in the home, I think we're going to see it around wage and hour issues. Hundred percent, John. I agree with you wholeheartedly there, and I think it's 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 a, it's almost like um it's just a level of um, perhaps over hypervigilance that the employer ends up backfiring because, as you pointed out, somebody could be away from their computer and they could be you know standing in their kitchen to read while having a cup of coffee. They could be looking at, they could be taking a phone call 
um, for the client and maybe wanting to get away from, you know, the noisy, um, the background noise outside the window or the dog. So uh, all good stuff, you know, all good points. And I think we can come back to that topic. We're actually, believe it or not, at our next commercial break. So um, folks, as you can tell, we are uh, here at Employment Law today. My guest this evening, uh, Employment Law Attorney John Hyman, and I'm your host, Eric Sauver, fellow Employment Law Attorney as well. When we come back, we'll talk more about, you know, this sort of the scope of notice, the scope of monitoring, and then just of what happens, let's say, when we drift into monitoring social media posts <coughs> and working conditions. So stick around. We'll be right back. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19-related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Employment Law Today. Once again, I'm your host, Eric Sauver. And our topic tonight with John Hyman, our guest, we're talking about, um, I always feel like somebody's watching me and I have no privacy, uh, monitoring employees' social media and internet usage. And, you know, John, I think raised some good points there before the break about companies, like what technology might allow one to do in terms of, for example, taking snapshots at someone's computer when they're working from home. But being careful with how one interprets that, because if you interpret an employee as not working, they're docking them pay, and they are working, or they're simply, you know, going to the bathroom, um, there could be a wage and hour suit. And, you know, John, I agree. I think that we're going to – I've been seeing a lot more wage and hour issues coming to light with, with clients in terms of, like, them to work from home. You know, they, they'll have someone working a 40-hour week, but they'll have hourly workers who are entitled to overtime under the NLRA, as we both know, and – certain types of jobs, positions that are not uh, exempt, right? And they'll have them working, but then they'll log up and they'll send them emails or texts after hours, you know, saying, you know, hey, hey, Tom, um, what happened with this? Did we ever get that, you know, email back? Can you check and see? And then Tom has to go through his emails and say, yeah, I sent Susan, you know, the document. Okay, what the document say? And then he has to write a response or you know, take a call or a text. And 
I think employers forget that when you're emailing or texting an employer and seeking responses off hours, that's time that has to be counted towards work, even if they're home. And that's whether they come into the office and they're home after work, whether they're a work from home employee. So I have, we are seeing, I think, those lines getting blurred. And you see yeah. that as well, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. And it's not just time that has to be counted, but it's time that's actually like time stamped, like from a, yes. from an, from an evidentiary standpoint mm-hmm. where like you and I defend an off the clock case where an employee yeah. says, you know, I was working, you know, X number of minutes or hours of overtime kind of after I clocked out or off the clock, mm-hmm. um, you often get into the, you know, he said, she said, or mm-hmm. from the employer standpoint, you know, yeah. you know, to prove a negative, prove the employee wasn't working when they say they were the employee, right. prove you were working when you say you were or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when you have emails, text messages, Slack messages, whatever, you have like a nice digital trail showing exactly kind of when the messages were sent and received and when they were responded to. Mm-hmm. And um, you're almost, you're almost making the employee's case for them by asking them to respond to those messages, you know, quote unquote off the clock. Yeah. Very true. Right. And I think that, you know, in areas that are not, let's say construction where the person says, Oh, I've worked at the construction site, you know, for 90 hours a week, Prove I didn't, and then you go. Well, let's see. Records show, and then you look at you know when was the site say closed? When was, was there a three day snowstorm? The person came they were at the site working, and you look back and see it was two feet of snow. But the, often there you have to rely on witnesses and, and other accounts from people. But here, I think you're right that employees, the you, the employer rather, excuse me, is creating that that documented trail against themselves. It could be used against them. So. You know, and it all kind of, I think, is tied into this general theme about, you know, privacy, surveillance, monitoring, because these are issues that we're finding now more and more with the advent of technology. You know, I mean, I'm sure employers always were, or often were, monitoring their employees a, a long time ago, but there was a different level of what you saw your employees doing in, you know, 1993 than in 2020. So I think, you know, we need to look at, like, going back to what we talked about earlier, Keep in mind, employees, that your employer can monitor you. They might have to give you notice that they're monitoring you. And employers, remember, if you own a company listening to the show tonight, if you haven't updated your policies, if you're in some of those states, New York, you know, Connecticut, Vermont, um, a couple others I can't remember right now. I think it's Oregon, I believe, and, and Washington, which would make sense, um, possibly California, where if you have to have notice to your employees, then you don't tell them you're monitoring them, then the attorney general for that state can fine you. You know, it could be upwards of, Five hundred dollars for first offense, you know, three thousand for a second and third, and so on. So, um, but I think you know, it all kind of brings up issues of like employees, what they do on their spare time, and how employers respond. You know, it's all kind of tied together. I think. I think it comes down to trust to me. Yeah. To, yes. I, you know, in 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 my to me, like if a client comes to me and says. We want to start reviewing, you know, we want to start reviewing server logs. For example, we, we don't think, our, we think our employers are spending too much time on, um, you know, Facebook during the workday. So we're going to start reviewing server logs and we're going to have, you know, IT people or, you know, pour through server logs every day. Or we're going to set up a list of blacklisted websites that are blocked or whatever companies choose to do. Yeah. I mean, to me, it comes down to trust. And if you don't trust your employees to get their job done during the workday or to get their job done, period, like what are you paying them for in the first what are you paying them for in the first place? And yeah. so I think if you as an employer get to the point where you feel the need to monitor or surveil 
your employees um, 24-7 or 20, you know, around the clock while they're on the clock. Right. I think you need to take a step mm-hmm. back and ask yourself, what what what's broken in our workplace yes. that I don't trust my employees to work, period? And is there a way that, because monitoring them is not going to fix the trust issue. If anything, it's going to breed more distrust. So what yeah. can we as an, what can we as a company do to help rebuild the trust that we lost that got us here in the first place? That that's that's the way I look at it. I you know, John, I agree with you 100 percent on that. I really do. I think that's a very good point. And I think that so much of what we do as employment lawyers for companies, sure we defend them in court and, and mediations and arbitrations and sure we help them with compliance, but like we go past you know what they're what the law says they can and can't do, but also like what's you know a best practice and what other dynamics are at play, like what issues are underlying? Because you're right, if you need to block your employees physically from getting to Facebook, you know, and, and have tech folks come in and set up all those things to make them get their work done, is it that the work is so unchallenging or unrewarding? You know, is the pay so low that their morale is shot, you know, that they're overusing Facebook? Are you not vetting properly? Or are you just having unrealistic standards about, you know, what people should do? Like, are you viewing your employees as robots that should come in and be literally working from, you know, say nine to five thirty without yeah. and, and and how far and how far are you gonna go, right? If right. you're gonna if you're gonna block, if you're gonna set up your server <clears throat> so that it like blocks or blacklists Facebook so an employee can't get to Facebook during the workday, right. if I really wanna check my Facebook <laughs> during the workday. I'm going to pull this out of my pocket. My yeah, I'm going sure. to turn. I'm going to turn off the Wi-Fi. Go onto my cellular network, and I'm going to do it off your network anyway. Right. So, how far do you go? Do you require employees to like put their put their cell phone in the lockbox or a locker, or leave it in their car and not you know and not carry it on their person when they come into the? I mean, how far do you go to right. to ensure um, that your employees are not going to be you know, doing non-work related things during the workday, and are you going to end up doing more more harm than good by yeah. really damaging morale with your employees by doing that? Right. You know, you might get like a little extra work from that person. Maybe, maybe not. Or it might be so demoralized that they could end up leaving or sort of either afraid of heard silent quitting or they just, you know, kind of like phone it into the bare minimum and they have to do. Um, I think that was eloquently covered eloquently in 1999 in the movie Office Space where um, you know, if anyone's seen this, the comedy about the office and this, uh, the guy, and he has all the different consultants <clears throat> joining on and, you know, they ask him about his work thing. He says, I have eight different bosses and they're all on my back. And I'm paraphrasing, of course. And, you know, and then I have to vote the TBS reports and I'm being questioned. They said, all that does is just, you know, all that scrutiny just makes me want to do the very bare minimum to not get fired. And so I think, you know, we can extrapolate that, you know, fast forward 23 years. Um, and now we're in a different workplace, right? You know, we've got employees like who talk about their experiences at for a company on Glassdoor, you know, on, on other sites. And then let me bring you to another question, like something that's different, it's like a secondary issue. It's, it's less about monitoring, more about like what an employer does with certain information. So I'm talking about situations, John, where let's say an empl- employees are on social media, you know, maybe their bosses or their middle management are Facebook friends with that person or Instagram, what have you. Let's say Facebook for this purpose of this conversation. Um, and, the per- and the employee is posting about how much the, you know, <clears throat> the workplace, like, like it's terrible and it's awful. And maybe they throw in a few choice insults about their, you know, about their boss. Um, <clears throat> maybe they talk about, you know, how, it's not safe, you know, or, or, you know, we're asked to work beyond bathroom breaks and it's ridiculous, you know, like, and this place 
I hate it. It sucks. Um, some employers might see that because people are more connected on Facebook. Maybe another employer brings their attention and maybe they decide they want to fire that person, you know, for being disloyal. I mean, if you're the type of employer that's going to monitor your people every step, maybe you. So the question becomes, you know, what might an employer want to be careful about, let's say, when responding to what they see, like a social media post with an employee that might contain some expression of like anger at the workplace, but also some some um, some conditions of work they're concerned about. Yeah. So the issue you raise is one of protected concerted activity under Section 7 of the National Labor Relations Act. Employees have the right under the National Labor Relations Act, whether they're union or non-union, to talk between and among themselves about wages, hours, and terms and conditions of employment. So if employees are going online to vent about work and mm-hmm. other employees see it, can see it, have the potential to see it, interact with the content, um, you are now in protected concerted activity land and you are mm-hmm. taking a you are taking a risk as an employer of um, uh, buying yourself an unfair labor practice charge with the National Labor Relations Board if you retaliate against an employee for um, something the employee um, wrote online about work. Right. Absolutely true. <clears throat> you know, let's say you're monitoring your employees and you see what they posted and you look and you see that they, you know, word about the company being horrific or not letting people organize or um, if they're talking about working conditions or or a call to action, you know, we should all walk off the job to protest this. Um, that is the law protects that, as John pointed out, under the National Labor Relations Act. It's not to be viewed simply as, you know, insubordination or lack of appreciation. Well, who needs this person anyway? We're going to fire them. So you have to be careful. That can't be the ground to terminate an employee. Now, if, of course, if they happen to be a terrible employee and they're not doing their work, that's a separate issue. But then the problem becomes from a view of optics, right? Perspective of, you know, if you fire them three days after that post and you say, no, no, it's because, you know, they were always slow at their work and, and doing a poor job. Does it look like that's a pretext for retaliation? So that's an issue I think, you know, for companies to look at as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also I think the other, the other, uh, one of the other points I think to make here is that, you know, mm-hmm. Facebook, Twitter, whatever, um, have social media has become the, the 20, the 21st century equivalent of the water cooler mm-hmm. and employees yeah. are, um, the conversations they used to have around the water cooler, they're now oftentimes having online, but it also presents a really nice opportunity for employers and employers mm-hmm. should look at it as such because often, you know, employees are talking around the water cooler. You might not <clears throat> know what the substance of the conversations are, what their gripes are. If yeah. they're doing it publicly online, you very well may have an opportunity to see that. And if you're seeing what employees' gripes are, it gives you an opportunity to fix it, whether they're bringing those to your attention or not. And I think too often we look at, you know, these, you know, ungrateful employees and they, they don't know how good they have it. And, mm-hmm. you know, we don't need malcontents here and blah, 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 mm-hmm. instead of mm-hmm. using that as an opportunity to maybe understand why employees are disgruntled and maybe, uh, not every, not every not every issue right to needs to be fixed, but some do and some should be, and and I think employers should take those conversations as, as an opportunity to do so. John, I think you and I are very similar type of employment lawyers. You know, I think you know this. Um, I I tell my clients the same same type of advice. You know, if you're seeing these complaints, 
what an opportunity to look into them. And if, you know, there's an expression, right? If one person calls you a horse, you might look at them kind of funny. Two people say it, you know, maybe pause for a minute <clears throat> to check yourself in the mirror. Three people say, you know, buy a saddle. You know, that it's, it's a lot of employees, <laughs> right? You know, are saying the same things. Um, you know, what an opportunity to not so much take it personally, even if the employee's post might have some ranting and raving about the boss. You know, I've seen some cases out there um, where employers got insulted, like the manager, let's say, and the boss, you know, was being insulted in the context of the post, which also mentioned protected activities. So, you know, they said this, you know, SOB, the so-and-so, you know, this blank v blank, you know, uh, Charlie, you know, is not giving us a break. He said, you know, either fathead, whatever. And then, and then they go on to list all these labor issues. And the question was, well, if you wouldn't have fired Charlie for just, you know, saying, or that the employee for just saying that, you know, in of itself, it's not a fireable offense under your progressive discipline policies. And the protected activity is the real reason why you fired him, because he's complaining about, you know, working conditions um, that could be against the NRA. So I think, you know, but to your greater point, too, it's like, you know, what's illegal, what might buy you a, a, a lawsuit, but also how, as an employer, can you look at this as like, you know, are we on the same team, you know, we being the employer-employee? And if not, how do you get on the same team? No. So I know we're at our next commercial break, which is amazing on time flies. When we come back, I'm going to you know talk a little bit with John more about this issue, but also about um, his co- his firm, right? You know, like what, what are some of the unique approaches they use? Uh, how do they approach their clients in situations? So for now, folks, stay tuned to Employment Law Today, right here on Talk Radio NYC. John and I will be right back. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Pet lovers. Pet Avengers Assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back, folks, to Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Eric Sauver. I'm here tonight with fellow employment law attorney, John Hyman, uh, from the firm Wickens, Herzer, Panza. As I mentioned before, John is the 
a shareholder and director of the firm. He's also chairperson of the firm's employment and labor practice group and co-chair of its craft beer practice group. So, you know, once again, John, really great discussion so far. Great to have you on the show this evening. Yeah, it's been so good to be here. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you know, we've got about 10 minutes left or so, believe it or not. But, you know, we've got time for another question or so. Um, I think it's just the theme I'm getting from this is that we're explaining to people what the employer is allowed to do, why legally, what they're not allowed to do, what they might be limited in doing in terms of not providing notice about monitoring, but also what are some best common sense practices, you know, like what makes the workplace um, a better place to be? And that kind of brings me to another question for you, John, about, you know, your I feel like we're getting a bit of your you know, philosophy. And as I mentioned to you, I share a lot of your philosophy when I'm hearing in terms of how I counsel my clients, business owners and employers. But I'm wondering, like, what are some unique approaches that you and Wick and Herzapan to take in providing, you know, employment law services for your clients, business owners in Ohio? And how do you differ from other Midwestern law firms that do what you do? Yeah, I think, I mean, a couple of things. Um, being being a smaller firm, I think it, it it allows us, I think, to get to know, I think, our clients and their businesses a little more intimately. Mm-hmm. I think being a smaller firm, it lets us also be, I think, a little more flexible and and a little more nimble in some of the things we can offer to our clients. So, for example, we're in the process of putting together and are getting ready to roll out some like subscription law services for businesses. Um, that will kind of tiered services where uh, businesses will have the opportunity to uh, pay a monthly fee depending on the type of service, you know, how deep they want the subscription to run, which will put an employment lawyer essentially um, on retainer and and on call for them um, for a variety of services from, you know, handbooks and investigations to policies to kind of the day-to-day counseling calls that we, you know, that we, that we do every day for businesses. So things like that, that allow us to um, uh, have a little more, um, whether, whether you call it flexibility or creativity or kind of nimbleness in um, kind of thinking in different ways to, to serve and service our clients. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. You know, that minimalist, yeah, that that um that personal touch and that intimacy with the client when you know that like you're a small firm, you're in touch with all their needs, you're you're following what they've been doing for the last few years. Um that's I think that's always a benefit compared to like a super giant firm that, you know, maybe has like hundreds of clients and maybe is losing track of what the person or the employer is doing. Yeah. And then you know, I mean just speaking from a from a personal standpoint, I know when um, you know, I talk to clients. One of the th- what the the feedback I get from clients on on me yeah. is, you know, John, we like working with you because you you don't just say, well, you can do A, you can do B, you can do C. These are your these are your legal options or what you can do within the bound the options that within the bounds of the law that may or may not get you sued, but if you do, you give you a better chance of prevailing. But you'll act. You actually tell us, like, if you were in our shoes, this is what you would do. This is like yeah. the preferred course of action. You're not giving us options. You're not saying, you know, this is what the law allows you to do. You say, you know, this is we. This is what my clients tell me. You know, we call you. We rely on you. <clears throat> I mean, you know the law, but you also are, are very um, proactive in telling us how you would respond if. 
the roles, you know, if you were sitting in the in the chair as the business owner or the HR executive making the decision. And I think um, my clients appreciate that uh, I'm willing to stick my neck out a little bit, That's although it. not, I mean, although not, I, I don't, not really, but I, I think they perceive me as sticking my neck out a little bit and actually, mm-hmm. you know, helping them make, make the decision rather than just giving them options. And then, you know, you're on your own, you do what you think is the right thing to do for your business. I mean, I think that's very important. I think, you know, because a lot of attorneys will um, sort of go through the myriad of options and the pros and cons and the legal liabilities, but, you know, without guiding the the employer or the client through uh, walking them through a process of what they might do. It reminds me of when people see a doctor about a complex medical issue and the doctor might give them different, you know, treatment options, but some might ask, well, you know, if your son or daughter were having this procedure, like, would you go through it? Or if your sister needed the surgery, would you? And, you know, when they say yes, um, you know, it goes a long way. I remember my wife was pregnant. She needed certain medication from, for nausea. And I had a question. We had a question. And this doctor said, you know, I took this with my, um, when I was pregnant with my two children, right? You know, so this is the OBGYN side of this. So, right. um, and that, you know, the thing is definitely something you want to hear you know, from a trusted advisor, like, you know, what would you do in the situation? Um, yeah, you know, I think, are there a couple other ways that you might distinguish yourselves? Like, I know you mentioned, obviously, you've got this possible different modality going on with the subscription retainer, you know, uh, monthly type of arrangement. But um, are you, for example, do you lean more towards like ADR and for those listening, like alternative dispute resolution, mediation, as opposed to litigation? Or are you more like we're the aggressive litigators and that's our... our, um, our you know, it it really it honestly really depends on the client. I mean, we mm-hmm. have we have what I would say is one of the best trial litigation practices in Northeast Ohio. That I think, objectively speaking, I, I would say that's and I'm obviously biased, but uh, mm-hmm. so it's hard it's hard to be objective when I'm looking at sure. it on the inside. But objectively speaking, I think we we um, have mm-hmm. one of uh, the best. Um, trial litigation practices in Northeast Ohio. Right. Um, but it, but it really depends on the client. I mean, some cases are very well suited for mediation um, and some aren't. And I think it's, and I think from an ADR standpoint, I think it's unfair to pigeonhole a case or say, we're going to mediate this case. We're going to, yeah. we're going to see if we can resolve this thing early uh, because not, not every case is suitable to an early resolution and, and, or, some cases might be suitable to an early resolution, but you got to beat the heck out of someone in, in a deposition for seven hours uh, in order to mm. get, or maybe your client needs their head bashed in the deposition for seven hours before they get their mind around, uh, oh, this might not go well if we got to file motions or take this to trial and maybe, you know, and maybe, maybe resolution makes the most sense. So I, I like to think of myself more as a business partner with my clients. And p- one of the ways I partner with my clients is by helping them focus, right. Is mediation appropriate is, um, you know, or is this the kind of case where, um, you know, settlement's not really a possibility and we're going to, we're going to yeah. ramp this thing up and get ready to try it. That topic, John, well, I feel like I can talk about that with you for uh, ever, but we have two minutes left to the end of the show. So why don't you take a minute or so just you know, tell our guests, our audience about like how they can contact you and your promotions, your blog, floor is yours. Uh, yeah, I'm not hard to find. You can literally, um, as I don't, we talked about social media and I don't hide on social media. So I'm active on 
LinkedIn. I'm active on Twitter. Um, uh, I have the blog, OhioEmployerLawBlog.com. It's just had its 15th anniversary a few months ago. Uh, there are liter- It is literally an encyclopedia of employment law. If you need an employment law question, it's not in the – you can't find it in the search box at OhioEmployerLawBlog.com. It just it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could literally Google like John Hyman employment lawyer um, and you will find me. I don't hide. Um, Wickenslaw.com is the firm. Uh, OhioBeerLawyers.com will take you to our take you to our craft beer practice, um, mm-hmm. and uh, Jonathan Hyman on LinkedIn because some doctor in New Jersey had John Hyman before me, <laughs> um, and um, and John Hyman uh, no H um, on Twitter. But again, I I don't hide. I'm really really easy to find. John, thank you so much for joining us tonight. This has been a great show, great topic, and a really great to get your perspective. I always love talking with fellow employment lawyers. Um, I'll just say in the last 30 seconds, folks, if you like the show, tell your friends, tell your colleagues, tell your clients, tell your family to tune in every Tuesday night from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on Talk Radio NYC. Stay tuned for some great programming to follow. And once again, John, I want to thank you so much for joining us. And I want to wish you, everyone out there, a wonderful night. So thank you. Thank you once again. Thanks, Eric. Yeah, been great.